0: Hello, is this thing on?
1: Find a quiet moment, put some headphones on.
2: Is it just me that thinks this is like the best news in ages?
0: I don't know what happened, but I fell in love.
2: (laughs) The creators and hosts... Sky's Entertainment Backstage Podcast. Are you awake, Stevie? He's like,
0: call me Ben.
2: I don't think you could accuse it of being glamorous. <laughs> and I said,
0: I'm not going to call you Ben Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: <laughs> I'm joined by the woman of the hour, Jodie Comer. Oh, very much. How
2: much fun are you having teasing us all at the moment? You've got a laugh. Let's go!
1: Hello and welcome to Backstage, Sky News' entertainment podcast. Ah, another week of lockdown. Claire Gregory, are you all right?
2: Yes, fine, thank you. I think I'm think i finally getting used to it. I think I'm, <laughs> I think, I think I'm okay. <laughs> I think, yeah, I've had a think about it and I might be all right, actually. No, I think I'm finally getting used to it. Everyone said, get a bit of a routine going on. And I have now started doing that. And guess what? It helps. Have you got a it routine? Helps. We've got no got routine, routine in my house.
1: Just like Matthew, my boyfriend, stays up till two or three in the morning watching films. I'm in bed at ten because I'm so sort of bored of being awake. <laughs> And yeah it's all a mess it's all a mess i need a routine give me your routine oh wow sorry and who wouldn't want to join this happy band of uh cant- yeah toby i mean
2: with with chat like that you must be wondering how we get people to join the podcast whilst Stevie's still in recovery from coronavirus and uh yes i find myself wondering the same thing now
3: <laughs> well I'm, I'm just i'm just imagining the slightly wild eyes that that must be at the other end of the uh, of the phone line uh, <laughs> the sort of slightly red-ringed sort of uh, sleep-deprived lockdown sort of, sort of jaded eyes looking <laughs> <laughs>
2: that describes us perfectly
1: so for those that aren't in the know fabulous toby earl what he doesn't know about movies and tvs we don't need to know is that the same? I to say that thing um anyway you know a lot about tv and film so we've it forced you to come and talk on our podcast this week have not we I am
3: delighted to be here and thank you so much for having me and um yeah I mean my 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 lockdown routine I think does I think you you're right it is all about having a routine and certainly mine is biscuit at 9 biscuit at quarter past 9 <laughs> biscuit at half past 9 and just basically that every 15 minutes just biscuits nice
2: until you get to 10pm and go, phew, I can legitimately go to bed now exactly. <laughs> eat my biscuits for the day.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, then you, you must have appreciated a change of TV viewing then this week. So we've got quite quite a few interesting shows coming up. Ryan Murphy brings us the glamour and sleaze of the golden age of Hollywood. Rolling!
0: If we change the way that movies are made... <laughs> I think you can change the world
1: Here from Margot Robbie As
2: Birds of Prey gets a digital release I hope that guys watch films with female, female leads As much as they watch ones with
3: male leads And Rafe Spall and Esther Smith Join Apple TV with their new comedy about adoption In trying
2: With your complications Conceiving is very unlikely
3: So what do we do now?
1: A small piece of us dies And we just carry on with whatever's left
2: All right well, as long as you've got a plan.
1: But first, we are joined by um, a very special person. Oh my God, Stevie Wong, the biggest guest ever Hi. to star on the podcast, who's
2: back, baby. <laughs> I'm
0: like I'm like Mariah Carey. I'm making you wait months to talk to me, so this is a this is a very special. You've finally finally got like you know FaceTime, or not oh, to the sound time with me. So there's only Hello? one
2: diva bigger than Mariah.
0: Oh bless! <laughs> and it's not me. Hello, how are you guys doing?
1: Oh my God, you do not understand how worried we were about you and everything. You oh. know this is so bizarre because you sound absolutely normal, if not even crisper than normal, because we've got your brand new mic, haven't
0: we? I know. Thank you. And actually, the reality—the
1: reality, the reality is—you've been going through it, haven't you?
0: I got. Pretty for those who haven't listened a couple of weeks back, I got pretty sick and uh, even went to the hospital. And it got it's basically I'm back, it's three weeks officially as of yesterday, um, out of the hospital. And I uh celebrated by going outside of my apartment for the first time, much no, the second time. And I walked around the block, um, and it was it was an interesting kind of experience for me because prior to that, you know, as you guys know, it's like it was a real chore for me to even go to the kitchen and like cook something and like just things were really tough for me for 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 the first like week and the second week I got better and so this is this is a big like moment you know that I even left the apartment and like did a did a walk around the neighborhood yeah
2: in a classic Stevie Wong buffet anecdote style either it was in fact (laughs) your desire (laughs) for a burrito that
0: got you out the apartment (laughs) don't pretend it's anything more than that Stevie Wong (laughs) it is true I've been staring you know I've just been eating like home cook like my own you know cooking which is not really the best and like um (laughs) and then and then now that I can order takeout and delivery. I was just like clicking on things and I was like, you know what? A burrito this morning was like, you know, a burrito would be really good. So I walked out of my apartment. (laughs) I was just going to do one block and go home and cook something. But then I realized two blocks away was a Chipotle burrito, and I was like, uh, uh. so I I, I pushed it. myself further. Yeah,
1: but you have to go into the the off air detail that you gave us that you walked out into New York, loads and loads of dog mess everywhere, and then you got a craving for a burrito. <laughs>
0: no! I, I, it's it's the weird timing of that of that statement, and I was like, uh, I don't know how to I don't know how to throw in the burrito section of this when, I, when I'm telling you how like the city smells a little bit like dog poo, but like um. Yeah, no, not because of the dog poop that I wanted the burrito. So, so please, <laughs> please don't think of me as a weirdo, audience. <laughs> you know, uh, sorry. Right.
2: <laughs> the one thing about you being uh, in recovery and spending an awful lot of time, as you should be, relaxing in bed, is that you have watched all of the
0: tv all
2: of it i think you've finished you've completed netflix now so that's good and uh yeah, you,
0: ne- netflix yeah. is done yeah um and the internet seems to be done and i'm just like i guess now i have to read a book which is <laughs> what the heck is that um so I'm really yeah.
1: enjoying it though every day i'm waking up and i'm seeing that you've um done your instagram stories and you're across all of the weird youtube things like the time um 90th Ugh. birthday party how good was
0: that i mean and it's still it's still on youtube um if you want to watch it sondheim turned 90 uh, a couple days ago and all of broadway came out and performed songs uh that he wrote Ugh. ladies who lunch with kareem tobranski and audrey mcdonald i mean this is a real like and so um i, I you know i've got everything hooked up to my televisions so i'm blasting you YouTube, you know, because last week Post Malone did a concert of Nirvana songs, and I was, like, blasting it in my apartment, and I bet, like, neighbors were just like, what is he watching? So...
2: they're like oh we won't complain because he's recovering from corona it, it was so oh, quiet Christ. for a
1: good few weeks there
0: I oh, dude. <laughs> yeah but uh I, I have my days are very scheduled now it's like oh eight o'clock i gotta watch this thing now and so uh yeah it's 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 been a busy yeah. time for me to just kind of uh bide my time during this period
1: but you're not gonna do the whole podcast with us this week you're just doing like a special guest star appearance as a one-off to talk about hollywood
0: yeah i figured you know i'll 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 Slowly kind of make my way back. I, I, you know, there's a there, you know, as you know, it's like I get tired easily, and so I was like, you know what? I can do one, and especially this show, which is coming out the first of May on Netflix, and it's it's a show called Hollywood, and it's the brand new period drama from the mind of Ryan Murphy. This is Hollywood kid. I can make that dream of yours come true anything if this is what I do to get it we will not
1: be bullied
2: this is just the beginning
1: we aren't just making a movie
0: we're making history only seven episodes. Uh, it's, it's an hour long each, but like somehow when you press play, <laughs> this miniseries is super catchy because it's about a group of aspiring actors and filmmakers as they try to make it during the golden age of cinema. So during the end of the 1940s where like there was like the Hollywood system, which kind of controlled careers of everybody and they chose people and then they basically like created their whole narrative, how to be stars and stuff. And in this case, these are people who are probably not your, you know, the ones that back in the day would have made it. This is like a person of color or even like a gay person. And so these were people that were trying to go into the system and, you know, ended up playing roles like the maid or the slave and all that kind of really un-PC kind of roles. And so uh, Ryan Murphy decided that what if in this world of his Hollywood, um, you know, all of their dreams and stuff actually came true. So it's, I don't know, you guys, did you guys watch it? What did you guys think?
1: It's, it's a good concept, isn't it? I really like the idea that it's um, it's like Quentin Tarantino did it with the sort of um, Inglorious Bastards, didn't he? A revisionist version of history where actually there's some justice for people that have been sort of so discriminated against at the time. I really enjoyed it. What did you think, Claire?
2: Yeah, no, I really liked it. And very unlike me, I watched more than one episode, which as you know, is a minor miracle when it comes to screeners. But uh, (laughs) the the thing I liked about it most, I think, is just the way it looks. I think the way it looks is how we kind of all imagine kind of 40s Hollywood glamour to look that kind of the, the pastel kind of ice cream shades, the very good looking people, the fashion. And Ryan Murphy's just got this incredible kind of eye or vision for, for the for the way it looks that I just found so, so appealing. So even if I didn't really care about the story, which, you know, it, it definitely did hook me in, I think I would watch it just because I find it so aesthetically pleasing.
0: So if you're one of those people that really love. That era of the 1940s, and you kind of read up about the history and stuff. Um, you, there's, there's, there's all these things about these these actors that exist in that period of time that never, never really got to get their like moment uh, of glory. And so in this show, uh, there's there's Rock Hudson, uh, who's definitely secretly gay, and Hattie McDaniel, who won the. She was the first African American to win an Oscar uh, for Gone with the Wind, and even Anna Mae Wong, who you know I, I've only discovered her like in the past like decade that I, I didn't know she existed. She was like the first Chinese-American film star. And so these people never really, well, besides rock, um, all the other actors and people of color never really had their moment to kind of shine, even though they were fully qualified to, to star and kind of lead the role. But Hollywood at the time was just not ready for them. And so for Ryan to kind of give them this you know fiction, which is what he's calling it's like it's like fiction but with some fact you know and so um he's giving them their moment to kind of shine it's it's uh it's it's really interesting and it draws you in and i mean this show has such a sexy young Naked well, I mean, cast. Uh, oh my god. About sexy. I mean there's, it's literally
2: yeah. packed with sex, uh which is yeah. uh, yep. I, I didn't necessarily expect when I when, <laughs> I hadn't watched the trailer or anything. So when I went into it, I kind of just thought it was going to be about struggling actors and I did not know that it was actually about very sexy struggling actors.
0: Yes. But it's um,
1: gloriously sleazy, isn't it?
0: Yeah. It's it's you can't look away. You know, no, not really a spoiler, but there is this gas station where uh It actually is a true, truth, you know, place where women uh, at the time who needed some company would go by this gas station and um, with some magic word uh, would would have, you know, company for the for the day or night. And so that's a real story. That's a true Hollywood story. And that that existed in, in back in the day. And in this case, it's they brought it into this to the series as one of the. Uh, Focal points of where all of the action happens. And
2: my, my, the gas attendants. I mean, yeah, they're very, very easy (laughs) on the eye,
1: aren't they? (laughs) Um, Also as well, Jim Parsons playing um, Rock Hudson's real-life talent agent who was apparently infamous for being sleazy and mistreating his stars oh my god that's a role isn't it it's, he's, he's a
2: brilliant in sleaze isn't he he's so yeah. good. He's I really, really good I really really rate him in this brilliant
0: I think what's interesting is there's also a real celebration of the older actors on the show and they all have their moment to shine there's a really great older cast led by Patty LuPone there's I mean just really wonderful wonderful actresses and actresses and so th- besides the young sexy young cast there's also a really cool um, older older group that like you should really respect and, and have a really good time watching so
1: i found myself spending a, a good proportion of the time as i was watching it attempting to google the characters to try and figure out which ones were actually based on real people yeah me which too i was were. doing that too it's brilliant I'm, I'm just disappointed that it's only the one series the one mini series well, i was, I was thinking, about to oh, say oh, though i mean great. seven episodes
2: it says but it's i reckon i could see it coming back couldn't you
0: probably hollywood in another iteration you know like um there are other eras and, and stuff and so the thing about ryan murphy stories and and this is probably gonna you know change my tone about this show a little bit is i finished the series and like um he, because he's got such a huge platform and his shows have been so successful ryan and his team of people sometimes decide to get on a soapbox and then they kind of create this world where like if these things happened then life would be better and so mm. at some point for me at this in this this series um I got a little bit angry and I don't under, I don't even know why I really need you guys to finish this show so we can actually talk about it a little bit more <laughs> because because what what happens never happened and so for that's me that's the thing
1: isn't it it's incredibly yeah. frustrating you do watch this and you end up thinking Oh, the fact that all of these people were there and, and present for so many years. And it's only within the yeah. last two or three years since yeah. Me Too that anything's actually changing.
0: Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't. It's it's a weird show because I'm so torn. One half of me loves it. Looks great. loves the acting everything is so much it's sexy it's you know and the other half of me is just like my brain can't wrap myself around the fact that like yeah this is it just gets really preachy at some point and it's it and it felt really i don't know it's just it's so ryan it's very ryan murphy like i don't know how to describe it you know and so um sometimes he succeeds and you walk away going like that was a really great show and sometimes you're there's a you know because all his shows always have a larger kind of uh uh, cultural kind of relevance to it and so even american horror story um you know there's always some kind of reference to something bigger and so um i don't know it's it's i'm a little bit torn and so i hope you guys finish this i'm four episodes
2: in and i'm loving it yeah i'm three episodes in and loving it i don't make me nervous (laughs) about getting to the end
0: so yes enjoy <laughs> and, <laughs> enjoy the wonderful world of hollywood that ryan's created
2: stevie wong we have Aww. missed your insight oh, on Stan. this
0: podcast oh, oh so good i might just you know like come on in with the, with a the, with a new thing every week if you'll have me and i
2: reckon then... you can manage half an
0: episode next week stevie oh my gosh
2: <laughs>
1: We're up to it
2: wow. providing
0: that
1: burrito goes down all <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> bravely volunteering to uh step into the shoes of stevie wong this week though is uh lovely toby L, who's joining us now toby are you coping with lockdown all right
3: i mean as someone who <laughs> for a living sits down and watches things
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's> fine. <laughs> what am i talking about
3: I, it's plus ça change i mean It, it is. It is pretty it's a very familiar uh routine i find myself in and the, the format of my life hasn't changed a huge amount which is when i say it out loud it sounds quite tragic really when i say it out loud <laughs>
1: We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. What has changed, though, is how TV and film is now being released and produced. So uh, one of the ones that we're going to talk about is the release of Birds of Prey, uh, the new Harley Quinn film, which has come out a lot earlier than I think it was originally slated to come out.
2: Yeah. As people are sort of stuck at home, the film companies are trying to recoup some of those lost cinema uh, earnings and giving us early access to some movies, including Birds of Prey.
0: The Joker and I broke up. I wanted a
2: fresh start. But it turns out I wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation. Birds of Prey, by the way, which has actually got some crazy-ass title, like <laughs> Birds of Prey and the fab <laughs> Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which I just, I, th- I cannot imagine the, the, these, like the meetings where these conversations are held. Like, no one's ever going to use that full title, are they? It's <laughs> too much.
3: It certainly helps to pad out the script length, though, when you type it out <laughs> <laughs> in like, full.
0: If you uh, pay yeah, per like...
1: word.
3: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like when you're writing an essay in, uh, like for A-level, and you just put in like, extra punctuation and Double stuff to get the characters it. up. <laughs> yeah,
1: just pad it out. I have to say, I was, I, whenever it's a superhero film, I'm always a bit like, oh, I'm going to hate this. I'm not going to want to watch this, which is why, actually, there's big gaping holes in my film knowledge, because I kind of, if, I, if I'm not made to watch a superhero film, then I won't. Um, which is why I was quite pleasantly surprised by this. I actually really enjoyed it. Like many, I
2: was quite disappointed by Suicide Squad when that came out in 2016. But I always thought that Margot Robbie was the standout from that. I thought Harley her Harley Quinn in that was brilliant. And so I was quite, for that reason, I was quite looking forward to this. Um, but it's a very sort of, she's really changed Harley Quinn. she's obviously quite deliberately taken the cho- choice to move her away from the Joker become her own person she looks different she's uh not quite styled in quite the sort of you know it's Margot Robbie so she's still incredibly sexy but it's not just all about the way she looks anymore and yeah i i think um i think it's a good film but i i didn't love it
3: i mean i thought i mean suicide squad for me was just like was making an omelette with whatever you found in the bin and then throwing <laughs> it straight back in the bin. <laughs> I mean, it was such a disaster. I paid my own money to go and see that because I wanted to see what a kind of what an absolute chaotic mess it was, and it really was. And I I, I do agree that um, Margot Robbie stood out in that film. The thing was, I think, with with Harley Quinn in that film was there was this wild inability to work out who she was and how they wanted to represent her on screen and so they had these moments where she was in hot pants and people were checking her out and she was sort of saying what in that you know sort of high-pitched sort of new yorkery kind of voice and then she would obviously then be be indulging in sort of like supreme acts of ultra violence and 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 i feel that birds of prey did tried so hard to actually form her as her own character and normally superhero films, certainly at the start, are, are origin films and they're, they're, they're terribly formulaic and, and in a way this is kind of her origin story because it's actually finding out who she is uh, as a as opposed to being this kind of mole, this sort of super villain mole on the arms of, of, of Joker and um, as a consequence it was quite, I, I think some of the things it explored were really interesting in terms of sort of how women are represented and how men take credit for women's actions and I thought it was quite smart at times.
1: Oh, but isn't that the disappointing thing? Because it didn't do very well at the box office. It has come under a bit of criticism from people. That old Hollywood chestnut of mm. our oh, cinema goers really ready for an all-female cast directed by a female director. And mm. yeah, so because it hasn't really done as well as like Wonder Woman and Aquaman, people have sort of used that as a... Justification for, oh, well, maybe we don't need all female superhero films.
2: Well, I reckon it was a worry before it even came out because I spoke to Margot Robbie at the premiere, which feels like a, about 103 <laughs> years <laughs> it? ago now, but it was actually, I think, January or February. Wow. So, really, only a couple of months, <laughs> which is wild. Um, but uh, I had a chat with her. And so, at that point, before the film was even in cinemas, she was already saying she really hopes that men will start watching films with women in them.
0: I hope that people watch I I hope that guys
2: watch films with female female leads as much as they watch ones with male leads because I watch films uh, despite the gender of the protagonist and uh, find a way to relate just on you know human behavior I feel if more men watch female driven content they'd find a way to relate as well. And the other interesting thing she said is obviously uh, this was directed by Cathy Yan and there was much made of the fact that it's a female led movie with big female stars and a female director. But Margot, she did try to kind of make the point that actually it was the best person for the job and that they would have given it to a man if a man had been the best person.
0: I mean, it was a big parody for me to always seek opportunities for women because they, you know, his
2: categorically and historically get fewer opportunities however at the end of the day the best person for the job
0: should get the job and if if the best person who came in was a guy we would have had a guy directing this film but um, Kathy was the best person for this job
1: now I, I did you know I really liked the look of it though did you not like things like the the sort of kooky way that the action scenes were filmed and there's a, like a touch of the kill bills about the sort of introduction of all the baddies and
3: I mean the, the, the suicide squad was the longest introduction sequence I, <laughs> I can remember it's just a series of introductions for about an hour isn't it it's going this is this person and that's that person and that's what they do and what I think they tried to do here was was you know she was an unreli- unreliable narrator in the fact that she kept sort of uh, Accelerating to points in the story she wants to tell, and having to come back to it, so it had that kind of, you know, that kind of perhaps uh, it was trying to represent perhaps the way she thinks in in sort of skipping forward to bits without considering what she maybe should have been talking about previously. So it certainly had its own attitude in that way. I, I, when you talk about the visual style, I very much enjoyed, you know, the the, the sort of the finale se- sequence in the Funhouse, sort of big yeah. big Uni style set piece, which again, was, was was very tongue-in-cheek. It, 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 it sort of, it mocked, I think, quite openly the, the notion of the big sort of superhero fight at the end.
2: Do you know, I, I did really like the way it looked, I agree. And there are certain moments that I loved, like I loved that she had a hyena for a pet. That, up, <laughs> so that was really good. Um, but I think for me, do you know what, now I'm actually thinking about it, I suspect for me, I would have done better seeing this in a cinema in that kind of big screen situation because I think I was quite easily distracted. I often think if I'm sort of, you know, looking at my phone and... Then you know, maybe I don't like a film that much, but maybe I did actually quite like it. I just it just didn't completely hold my attention.
1: It made me like Ewan McGregor again as this (laughs) sadistic crime boss. Oh, did it? I was gonna ask what
2: everyone thought of Ewan McGregor in this. I feel like his
1: accent was a bit I feel like the Scottish kept
2: bleeding through a little bit.
1: He did that brilliant supervillain trope of he was like walking over to torture someone. I can't remember, but then like screams into midair of like ah! proper like baddie <laughs> maniac laugh. I loved it. Thought it was good.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like the fact that he seemed to portray him as a, a late addition to the Made in Chelsea cast who is really <laughs> appalling really appalling <laughs> the velvet jackets and the kind of yeah. the, the enti- the, that entitled rich kid attitude um i i i again I, you know it was very over the top and i and i don't think it, it suffered for that it's a superhero it's a superhero super villain film anyway isn't it i mean you've,
1: yeah there is a
3: certain element of camp to it anyway
1: What was he like at the premiere? Because actually, one could argue that Ewan McGregor has a bit of that in him at the moment. He's been very antisocial with press, hasn't he?
2: He was antisocial to the point of not attending the premiere. (laughs) That would be it. (laughs) There you go. Um, Yes, I think you're right. I think he's not too happy with the media at the moment, possibly because of the way his own private life has been reported on. So, um, yeah, I don't suspect that he'll be doing many premieres and whatnot for a little while. But um, Margo is due to be back as Harley Quinn when the Suicide Squad returns. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yes. Next year, I think.
3: Yeah.
2: But th- so that now means the year after probably does oh, it because yeah. all God, the films seem to be being cool. pushed back yeah. all the yeah. time.
3: Do you do, 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 do you think one of the things one of the things I found find or have always found about the character, and I don't know how you found this, is that she she is a re- she's a deeply problematic character in 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 terms of her. Um, Sort of genesis in terms of who she is. She's this. She's this extremely intelligent psychotherapist, psychologist who is essentially tortured, abused, sort of mentally abused to the point of splitting and breaking into tiny pieces. And 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 you know she's 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 sort of like front and center of, of this film, and and of course will be in the follow up film. I think she. I think it's a really hard character to play with sort of depth, and and without without sort of making light of actually what's happened to the character. Do you, do, 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 do you see what I mean? Like, do you, because she is essentially a tortured woman who is turned from, from good to bad.
1: But also, taking it even more flippantly than that, she is kind of just a Halloween costume of hot pants, isn't she really? It is hard <laughs> Again, to yeah. bring a lot of depth.
2: Yeah, you do think when you see everyone cosplaying as Harley Quinn, it's definitely about the look and no one's really thought that deeply into yeah what being Harley Quinn must actually be like. Um, But it is such an incredibly stylized look, you know, it looks so good.
3: Yeah, yeah. The, the bunches. I think you know the, the very start of the film where she chops the bunches. Like that was yeah. you know, obviously that was such a sort of that was that, that was a real effort there to sort of separate herself from. Her previous incarnation.
1: Ah, well, I mean, you know, I I struggle with films. i I have such a short attention span. <laughs> for me, I thought it was all right. Honestly, if we're all trapped in lockdown, it's something new, and yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's good-ish. Oh God, what sort of a damning <laughs> review is
3: Look that? that it's, good-ish. it's good-ish. It's good-ish. <laughs> One is this do you, yeah. do you, are we are you giving i just have to ask i mean do do, do does like the star recommendation level like for, like one zero to five or <laughs> rating one to ten, does it have its own lockdown version do you like basically <laughs> give it like two extra stars or give it three extra marks oh, that's lockdown? true yeah. it's very
2: true yeah because we never actually rate anything but i think we are so much more generous at the moment <laughs> we seem to like everything because it's just something to do <laughs> oh dear! Oh no that's going to sound bad now when we do like things and everyone will think it's only because we're in
1: lockdown
2: oh.
1: well we are very um it does depend what mood we're in generally on this podcast whether or not we. KT, but... it's always the last thing she watched is her favorite thing. well ever, and i've so, demanded uh... that we put the last thing i've watched in this but we're not going to talk yeah. about that yet um what we are going to talk about is uh Apple. Paul's new TV show a half hour comedy it's the first uh, time that actually Apple TV has put a a UK original series onto its streaming site and you know what we it takes actually quite a good show for us to talk about Apple TV really because I mean (laughs) we've struggled to get excited about some of the Apple TV stuff but trying we've all kind of enjoyed it haven't we
3: it's a scary business. My kids are vampires that suck every ounce of energy out of me until I'm nothing but an empty carcass. Barbara,
2: Nat, you all right? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love Rachel so, 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 so much. So much. I have the hugest of huge crushes on him. He's so good, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's, he's very good in this. Him and uh, Esther Smith, isn't it, that he's um, appearing alongside. And they're both playing a couple who are both kind of in their 30s. They want to have children, but they can't. So they're deciding to embark on like the adoption process and try to sell themselves to the local authorities to get bumped up the adoption list.
2: And it's like the I don't know if it's their chemistry or if it's the writing, but you said this, Katie, and I completely agree. There's a very natural humour to this. It just sort of comes effortlessly and you find yourself smiling or cracking up. And it's just it's really it comes across so well between them.
1: It's written really well. It's um, Andy Walton, who apparently is a, a former Mock the Week writer. Um, and this is his sort of big go at writing a, a TV series. It's yeah. um, it's eight episodes as well, isn't it? And it's directed by the same person that directed Catastrophe, Jim O'Hanlon. Um, and it's got kind of catastrophe elements to it, hasn't it? Again, yeah, sort of focusing on a it's couple. It's that
2: unflinching look at real kind of modern life, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, you get all the good, but you get all the bad as well. The kind of the realities of a modern relationship, basically.
3: Even the music cues that, that that they have throughout the um the, the the series they do really do hark back to 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 catastrophe and that kind of uh, that sort of whistling jangling motif that was used throughout the series it does it does very much feel like a kind of a, a, a shared universe if you like with with catastrophe these could be the kind of people that Robin sharon would bump into in a park in north london somewhere yeah. um but i do do you feel that i mean rafe rafe spawn and esther smith in this i completely agree with you do have a very natural chemistry which i think is you absolutely have to have in a show which is about a couple attempting to have a child or adopt a child it was i thought i thought it was a, um I, I wonder i wondered why um they ditched because we say trying you're essentially thinking people are trying to have a baby they're trying to conceive yeah. but they ditch that they ditch that premise within the first what Two and a half minutes—that's gone—and it's straight into adoption. And I wonder, I wonder how deep into the process did they did they decide to sort of shift everything up by I don't know seven and three quarter episodes or something, you know, and sort of like remove that bit of them trying to conceive. If that was a you know previously a longer period of an episode, or if they just decided to go straight into the adoption and the kind of what were you know breaking down of their relationship and who they are to each other and who could they possibly be for their child in the future.
1: There's some really nice lines in there, though, isn't there as well? Because um, things like when when they realise that they're essentially catfishing social services and stuff because they've been so lying about what they actually do and how, who they are as people. It's really sweet.
2: Yeah, it's got some uh, some lovely moments. I was wondering, I was kind of, with reference to the trying thing, if maybe just the battle through, you know, uh, IVF and all that has been so well documented in other shows whereas it feels like adoption is not something that gets explored as often so yeah I mean maybe it's just trying to break new ground a little bit
3: yeah I mean I I, I very much enjoyed in the very first episode the the, the their uh their, their time at a baby shower which which <laughs> looked as horrific as they always are um, <laughs> and and you know they absolutely well Esther Smith's character I should say Nikki absolutely cut through that with some pretty sharp um vine- vinegary lines uh in in sort of talking about children and babies and whatnot and and you know it does have that sort of you were talking about sort of the um the 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 naturalistic element to it you know you, you do you can imagine those kind of lines being said accidentally out of place at the wrong you know wrong place wrong time
1: yeah yeah, definitely. You can yeah. tell it's made for an international audience, though, as well, can't you? How pretty oh does Camden look?
2: Oh, I know. I know. But um, it is, I would say, one of Apple's better offerings, wouldn't you? Definitely. I think this is one of the yeah. first shows on Apple that I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to watch all of this.
3: I think it's interesting. That I, th- I think, you know, they've they've they clearly... Um, obviously, they want to have as wide uh, uh, an offering as possible for, for their international audience. And certainly this, with its um, hints of Richard Curtisness of of London yes. Richard Curtisness won't 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 hurt um but they've gone for something you know this isn't I, w- I wouldn't say this is this is the kind of show that is going to be called the most hilarious program that you've ever seen but i do like you say trying to appeal to an international audience it does attempt to connect with people in a very basic and simple way and it's a, you know a story which i think People can understand if they've gone, you know, tried for children, through conceiving could could can appreciate the difficulties, and um, it, it it is kind of I think a, a soft way to connect with uh, with people across the planet.
1: You can imagine the Apple executives all sat around going, right, what are we missing from our lineup? Ooh, yeah, completely, like a flea a flea bag type show. Yeah,
3: yeah, and it's not fleabag. a British comedy. Yeah, but that's it. I think I think you I think what you've hit upon there is 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 true. I think I think what they what they kind of do look for this sort of uh, not necessarily algorithmic view of what should be presented to people, but a sort of idea of what kind of programme should exist on the slate in order to kind of broaden its appeal as much as possible.
1: Shall we switch streaming services and talk a yes. little bit about Disney Plus? Because we haven't really um, chatted a lot about Disney Plus on the, the podcast that much. Yeah, it's um, true. Well. It sort of came out
2: and there was too much on there all at once to even begin to try <laughs> and uh, dig through it. And then uh, a lot of the offerings have been, you know, they've just been really for young kids. So um, it's uh, it's been tricky to find the right kind of thing to feature on the podcast. But this is uh, it's something a bit different, isn't it?
1: prop culture we thought we'd talk about so it's all about um this uh collector dan lanagan who basically is exploring through the disney archives each episode is taking a, an iconic disney film and looking at it's it's proper nerdy looking at some of the mm. props and some of the designs that helped make it a success
0: these are more than just props and costumes this is a real cinema relic it is fun. sort of like me <laughs> <laughs> these historic artifacts help tell the story of how these films were made It's history. It's my childhood. And as a fan... Does it have your smell? No (laughs) comment.
2: They somehow make
0: you feel like you're a part of that story. The
2: thing about this uh, that kind of struck me really quickly is that I kind of thought, oh, like, props. How much... How interesting can it really be? But actually, what is what happens is you get to hear from kind of people and you get little yeah. glimpses of what it was like working on the film and what stars were like, what Walt Disney was like. And it's all those little insights which I think make the show interesting. For me, the props themselves, I cannot get that excited about a carpet bag, even if it is Mary Poppins's oh. you know very famous Did carpet you... bag. But
1: there were moments when I was like, oh my god, I've never even realized that. Things like the um we were you across the map painting for the backgrounds. I don't know how I assumed that they'd done like these sweeping shots of London for Mary Poppins, but it's the, the intricate paintings that they had animated clouds over the top and stuff. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah
2: that kind like, of thing is really interesting that's what i mean it's the kind of the additional insights to the actual props themselves kind of don't don't write it off because you think well i don't really care about props because there's just a lot more to it than that there's all this kind of interest and and fascinating way that they made movies before you know all the technology that we're now so used to
3: I mean this, this 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 very much felt like the kind of show that you would see um on telly about half past five on a bank holiday Sunday um <laughs> yeah. and you know and and but but that is not to say it's a bad thing and, and what you, I completely agree with you in that um it's the detail of it all like the um the cityscape of London for Mary Poppins was you know was this matte painting but drawn on glass, painted on glass, and then they had yeah. the light behind it to affect the yeah, glimmering of the gas, the gas lamps in Edwardian London. And that is so smart and so beautiful. It's so brilliantly done. And that wonderful story where they get Richard Sherman, you know, one of the Sherman brothers who wrote the music and lyrics for Mary Poppins playing on the piano yeah. in Walt Disney's yeah. office, Talking about Walt Disney, asking him to play "Feed the Birds" for him. It is that. It, it really is those little stories that kind of take you back. And you mentioned that carpet bag, that incredible story about the craft foods competition where you could win Mary Poppins' Mary Poppins carpet bag with ten yeah. grand. And someone didn't want the bag. bag.
1: And someone would want the bag? <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> Um, i mean it
2: is a big bag
1: yeah to be fair. um where, where would you put it uh, what i love did you spot in episode one which they clearly had a word with um people by episode two because it doesn't happen again but um dan the presenter whenever he's bringing out a prop he's always wearing white gloves and then the people mm. that have worked on the films just start grabbing it out of his hands like <laughs> licking it and hugging it and he's there going oh! stealing bits of it <laughs>
3: D. D. And Wood. he didn't
1: say anything to them, but it's brilliant.
3: Yeah. I like it. D.D. D. D. Wood. I fell in love with D.D. D. Wood in the oh, first how episode. Oh, cool yeah. Choreographer on Mary Poppins. She was amazing. And she, yeah, she she pulls a bristle out of one of the chimney sweeps brushes and yeah. it's holding it like it's <laughs> like it's the Turin Shroud. And she just plucks <laughs> oh, this uh, bristle out. She's brilliant. I mean, how how fascinating a woman. And yeah. the story she had as well.
2: It is for kind of film nerds though, yes, this, totally. isn't it?
3: You, I think you've got to have
2: an invested in, a vested interest either in the film itself or just film generally to find this interesting.
1: Did you watch the Tron one as well? I watched Tron. The, the interview with the director of Tron as well. Yeah. Oh my God, how many different emotions is he still working through about Tron? That was <laughs> great.
3: I mean... We talked. We obviously we talked about Birds of Prey earlier being a bit of a box office disappointment by the metrics uh, by which superhero films are measured. And Tron, you know, in itself is a funny one to do because there are so few props in it because it was all computer animated. The like the nascent years of CGI. Yeah. But Steven Lisberger. Um, directed the film, and he had all these futuristic ideas, some of which have borne out. But the film didn't do well. I think it took 10% of what Star Wars took and was is, was, and is regarded as a flop. But you're right, when they interviewed him and he went out to the yurt in his back garden where he keeps yes. all the memorabilia, <laughs> which in itself is a strange thing to do if you don't ever want to think about the film. Why have a yurt in your back garden full of memorabilia? But you're right, he, he, was, a, he was a man who... Clearly, I don't know. Has he come to terms? Has he not come to terms? I don't know.
1: But that was quite a sweet moment, though, wasn't it? Because yeah. actually, when he started looking through everything, and everyone say, well, the the host saying, "Oh my god, people just love this film, and people would kill for all these props." And yes. it suddenly, it was like he was made to think about actually the fact Aww. that it is so loved now. And yeah, yeah, such a good yeah, moment. absolutely.
3: And I think that was, oh. I think, in terms of if you if you like film in any way, I. Do you think the Tron episode is, is particularly fascinating simply because it had, they claim, the first ever CGI character that who and so CGI character who also interacts with the human and and it talks about how they created these effects when they had no precedent on how to create these effects. They they say they were making it up as they went along. And you know, you look where we are now and you look at you look at the the, the movie world in which we live where the props are actually minimal, <laughs> given given yeah. the sheer amount of CGI. The, the lack of practical effects drives me mad, quite frankly. Yeah. And this is a film where it, it, it sort of mapped the future. And I and I and I and I, and I, as a nerd myself, and I remember seeing the film <laughs> when I was a kid. You know, that for me was is pretty fascinating to to, to, yeah. to find out how they how they built this future.
1: Worth a watch, anyway, especially in these oh, given our new lockdown <laughs> review scale. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking
2: of uh, massive tolerance for anything during lockdown, Katie's taste has uh,
1: started reflecting that of my mother's. I I find this very rude of you. Or your mum has incredible taste because I insisted at the very last minute that we all have to talk about Grayson's art club. Grayson Perry, who's one of our um, most interesting British artists at the moment. And it's so good. Your mum has taste. I don't care what you say. She'll like you for that.
3: (laughs) Have you watched it though? I love the idea of of this collaborative effort to build a national trove of art created during this period. And his his idea of having an exhibition at the end. And, you know, they set a theme every week in order to, to, and the first theme was portraiture. And the contributions to the members of the public, there are some seriously talented people um, contributing to this show. Some of the pieces were absolutely incredible, like beautiful.
1: Also, the, what is emerging is the nation's obsession with Professor Chris Whitty and how many people are producing artwork of Chris Whitty. It's brilliant. He,
3: oh, I love he's that. He's not played by Benedict Cumberbatch, too.
1: So... <laughs> oh, dream casting. Yes.
3: Amazing. He, he honestly, we need the life story of Chris Whitty with Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> And maybe it's even an imagined version of what that life was and is. And be, yes. Yeah, it doesn't really fantasy matter. version.
2: I, and a Hollywood esque revisionist history <laughs> oh, of, uh, of Chris need. Whitty's life. Yeah,
3: I don't want to. Talk, I, I don't want to say Doctor Strange. Uh, uh, you know, uh, say <laughs> Doctor Strange. That's taken. But um, yeah, Joe Lyssett's painting of, of Chris Whitty is, yeah, it's is good. Is something.
1: So they're getting, as well as members of the public, they're getting uh, a couple of celebrity guests each week to also show the sort of art that they do as well. Joe Lycett's, um sort of sums up the the ethos of this whole show that actually you don't have to be. It's not about getting a perfect likeness. It's all it's about mm. capturing the spirit of someone somehow um but yeah i just i genuinely i just love this concept and it's another one of these programs that channel four is somehow managing to come up with throughout lockdown they've done the jamie oliver one haven't they i think there's a matt lucas one on the way richard and judy have got a book club coming out as well they're sort of very clever fast shows that they're managing to make that are creative responses to what's going on really
2: when they're thrown together a bit, there is some kind of impacts or some kind of negatives to be had out of it. Like Ste- the Steph show, that's had to come off, there hasn't yeah. it? Because her poor neighbours were just absolutely. Oh, no, I didn't read of...
1: this. Oh my god, really? Yeah. So she yeah. just
2: wanted to give her family their ho- their home back, so that it wasn't full of oh. you know TV crew and equipment all the time. And uh, yeah, imagine living next door to a daily uh, a daily broadcast. It would be. It, you, it you know if, if it's not what you signed up for when you bought the place it's a, it's not well, ideal is my, it
1: my boyfriend's grumpy enough about being kicked out of bed so i can record this today so <laughs> 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 i can see where the problems are at
3: panel four bringing up you know um curating these sort of isolation shows there's one which i don't know if you've heard of that may appeal or may not appeal um it's uh it's called snoop dogs and what they ah. do is they're going to attach GoPros to the uh, dogs of celebrities and we're going to see <laughs> celebrity homes from the point of view of their pet dog but we won't know who the celebrity is until the end so it's through the keyhole with dogs. Now, Do you I not God. think that this what? sounds like an April Fool's like, <laughs> press release for
2: Any other a time. show? When I heard, heard this first of all I was just cracking up, it's too funny but yeah because in the current climate yeah, of course there's a show called Snoop Dogs where we attach a camera to a dog's back and send them through the house of course I mean yeah why not
1: this is going to be bad news for you though Claire Gregory given that isn't your twitter handle something very close to Snoop Snoop
2: Dogg (laughs) mine is Scoop Dogg yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) expect a a flurry of tweets coming your way about the uh, (laughs) reality dog show
2: I regularly get tweets telling me that I need to change my handle anyway, so <laughs> it will just be the latest version of those. <laughs> but yes, please do follow me on uh, Twitter, Scoop Dog Sky,
3: or, uh, or on Instagram,
2: Claire Sky Showbiz.
1: Oh, and how do we find you then, Toby?
3: What's what's the best way to look you up? Mainly prostrate is how you would find me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, it's it's Toby on TV at toby on tv
1: and i'm spenny Picks on in, oh god i nearly forgot then spenny Pitts on instagram and at sky and katie spencer on twitter it's been a while i don't, I don't get out much ah oh, thanks for coming to talk to us though toby yeah thanks for joining us toby
3: well, thank you very much for having me and i, I do really appreciate it and um yeah and I, I hope your lockdown continues to be fruitful and uh and as wild <laughs> and laden with biscuits Oh my gosh.
1: May there be many more biscuits to come. In. And speak soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.